Good morning. How are we today? I'm super excited to be um, sharing with you again. I feel like it was only a minute ago that I was up here last time, so that's nice. Um, I don't know about you, January has kind of whacked me. <laughs> I was kind of hoping for a little casual stroll into 2020 and it certainly hasn't been that. It's been, we're going, we've launched, we're ready and I'm like, woo. So, I love that momentum. Um, last time we talked, we talked about the, um, about the power of our amen, right? So, partnering with God and, and declaring amen, God, let it be so over the circumstances in my life that you've promised me are going to be this. So we trust in God. This morning, I want to extend a little bit on that um, and talk about something that's close to my heart, but it's also something that's so embedded in our culture as, a, as people even, but definitely as a church. Um, we don't spend a lot of time talking about it. We tend to do it more than we talk about it. So the title of my message this morning is Praise Him Forever. So... Obviously, we're going to be talking about praise this morning. But before we get into it, let's pray. Father, would you breathe on us in this room right now, Lord? Hear our heart's desire to connect with you in greater ways. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to work in us, to move among us, to fill us, and to bring us that one degree shift, Lord God, that'll change the trajectory of our lives, Lord. Would you use my words today, Lord, to stir something new and fresh in us? Amen. Let it be so. <laughs> so, if you're any part of, if you're part of any kind of community, there are things that we do as a part of that community, um, habits, routines, um, things that we come to expect, right? So, at work, that's a community. So, at work, we get up on a Monday or a Tuesday or whatever day you work and you prepare yourself to go to work. You go to work and then you do things that might be their habits, I suppose, or sometimes they're not necessarily habits, but they're your duties. So, you just do them, right? So, sporting communities are a bit the same. At a particular time of the year, which is not too far away, we expect the season to start. <laughs> and each week, there is a game that we watch or we play. <laughs> if you're in my home, that might be five or six games, if he was allowed, but he's not, so two is the max. <laughs> In the off-season, there are things that we prepare for. We watch the draft, you know, all of those things. Th that's part of a sporting community. There are habits and traditions that are just facts of life. So it's the same in our church community. You wake up on a Sunday morning and what do you do? You get ready to go to church. Well, we do. <laughs> in church life, we, we kind of get accustomed to things. So when you get here... There's singing. Thanks, Dan and the team. That was great this morning. Sometimes we have communion, so we kind of expect that. We're prompted to give. There's some kind of message. We see our friends. We meet someone new, perhaps. And now we can expect good coffee. Amen. Praise God. 
There's a level of expectation that we have when we come in. We often talk about these things being part of our life of worship. And we agree, right, that our lives, our whole lives, should be an act of worship to God. Giving, communion, singing, gathering together, the way we live, our words, actions, devotion time, our service, our work even. They're all acts of worship. Our language as Christians and in church, we're going to continue our worship with offering or we're going to continue our worship with giving. Now, I'm talking a lot about worship and not so much about praise, but we'll get to that. (laughs) They're all elements of our lives, these concepts. We understand that they're elements of worship and our whole lives, 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year and then we add one for good measure, they're all acts of worship, our whole lives. So if worship is our life, where does praise fit? Yes, praise is definitely an act of worship, but it's specific. There's a specific purpose to praise. And this morning we're going to explore what it is to praise, why it's beneficial to us. So what is praise? I'm so glad you asked. Praise literally means to show approval of something. Now, we do this as humans. We praise kids at, when they ace a test or something. We praise them. Good on you, mate. You did so well. I'm really proud of you. That's praise. We praise our team when they win a game. Go Cats. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> we praise a great performance. Like when we're at a, you know, a theatre or we see someone do a play or someone performs singing, we praise that, we clap, we cheer. When friends get engaged, they get married, they have a baby, we praise that, we're excited about that. So praise is like celebration and celebration is part of our lives. I think we're all kind of, we get that. When God created us, he created us to praise. I love that. He created us to live in a place of praise, of encouragement, of, of community where we love on each other and we're, you know, close and we build one another up. Praise is innate in us. I'm going to say something that might be a tiny bit controversial, but trust me, I think, you know, you can agree to disagree if you like, but God does not need our praise. He doesn't need it. So why in the Bible does it command us almost, it mandates us to praise? Why? We were created by God, for God, to bring pleasure to God. And our, God, our praise pleases God. But God doesn't need our praise. He desires it, loves it, wants it, delights in it, and he even lives in it. And the rest of creation also praises him. Get this. Psalm 66 verse 4 says, All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. All the earth, plants, trees, animals, they bow down to you. They sing praise to you. Psalm 19 verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of your hands. Even the heavens and the skies 
praise God. Luke 19, 37 to 40 tells a story about, you know, Jesus walking into a town and there's people and they're praising him. And the Pharisees tell Jesus to make them stop. He says, tell, them, tell these people to stop being, you know, crazy. And he said, even the rocks would cry out if we did not praise, if, if they did not praise me. So, even creation would praise God even if we didn't. We could just kind of throw up our hands and say, well, I don't need to then because creation does and, you know, he's God and he's not going to change. He's always going to be God. What excites me about praise, though, is that God attaches power to praise. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today because I don't know about you, but there are moments in my life where I need a breakthrough, I'm feeling like this big or I'm flat as a pancake or I'm, I need that breakthrough. And I think that praise is the key. And I've done some, when, in preparing for this message, I was looking through a lot of things, I was doing some research and I really believe that there is a key in praise for us that holds power. And it's pretty easy. Like, I love an easy key, right? (laughs) Praise is more beneficial for us than it is for God. When we lift up a shout in the darkness and we give our glory to God, we give that glory to him for his goodness, for his provision, for his favour. When the situation seems dark, bleak, and it's no end... Praise releases something in us. And that's super exciting to me because I think if an action that I am doing breaks open something that allows God to move in my circumstance, I'm going to do that thing. So let's get into this a little. There are at least eight different Hebrew words that our English Bible translates into praise. So we have one word that says praise. There are at least eight Hebrew words (laughs) and they all mean different things. Some of them mean similar things, but they all mean different. So, halah means to boast, brag or rave even to the point of foolishness. How many know that our culture doesn't like to appear foolish? But this word, halah, means to brag, boast or rave even to the point of foolishness. Yada means to lift your hand. So it's a physical expression of praise. You know, lifting your hands is an international sign of surrender. doesn't matter what culture you're in, doesn't matter where you go in the world, lifting your hands means a sign of, it's a sign of surrender. When I lift my hands to the Lord, it's a sign of surrender and praise to Him. Barak is used when talking about being blessed by God. How many in this room are blessed by God? Hallelujah. Tehillah means to sing. Fun fact, and we talk, I mentioned it before, but there are over 300 verses in the Bible that mandate us to sing. <laughs> Now, how does that make you feel? (laughs) So, I want to encourage you here just for a minute on this point. 
Some of us in the room, singing is okay for us, you know. We're like, okay. For some of us in the room, we're like, nobody needs to hear that. Ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) But let me tell you, the Lord delights when you sing to him. And it doesn't matter if you can't sing or you can sing. He delights when you sing. Think about this. When kids perform, right, doesn't matter if they're your kids, their family, you know, even... So I think about our Christmas carols thing when we had the kids up here. Those kids, we loved it, right? We were all like, you're amazing. Did they always sing in tune? No. Did they always sing in time? No. So if we, as a a family, if we love that, if we, like, are so thrilled that they're up there doing their thing, how much more would God look at you and go, mate, you are blessing my heart right now? Kids have very little concept of I'm not good at that. They have very little inhibition. They go all in, like all in. And I think that there's something in that for us because when we as adults grow up and we get cautious about how we present ourselves and all of those things, we put those blockages in and God's saying, I don't, like, what are you doing? Like, I've created you to praise me all in. I don't care if you flail around and dance like a, you know, a crazy person. Do you because that's how I've created you to praise. So, I digressed a little, but we'll go back. Zamar speaks of rejoicing with instruments. Band, go you. (laughs) Rejoicing with instruments. Toda means to shout and engage faith. I like this one a lot because it talks about shouting and engaging our faith. Now, faith, we know to have faith, it's often for something that's not yet here, right? So, when we shout our praise, this says to shout, sorry, it speaks of shouting and engaging our faith. When we engage our faith in praise, that's, that's about us believing for something and praising God for something, even when it's not yet here. That's exciting. Shabak means to shout and address in a loud voice. Now, I'm fairly happy to shout in a loud voice and give my amens and hallelujahs and, you know, when I'm worshipping and I'm not quiet in that regard. But for some of us, that's actually quite scary. Putting ourselves out there, speaking loudly, we might be quiet in personality. We might not like to do that. We might not feel comfortable shouting. But you know what? There is power in this. And can I encourage you, as we go through today, at the end of of our message today, we're going to have the band come back and we're going to praise. And I want to encourage you to step out because there is power in this. The last one I'm going to talk about is hallelujah. Now, we in church use the word of hallelujah a lot. Um, It means praise God. So, hallelujah, praise God is yah. When I looked this up, I was so fascinated by this. The definition actually doesn't translate well 
because it transcends the languages of the world. And I looked at like a, a total, a heaps, heaps and heaps of examples of what hallelujah means. And it all said the same thing. The definition, praise God, is not what the word means. It's more a description of what the word does. That's amazing. Hallelujah is a spontaneous outcry of one who is excited about God. Now, are you excited about God? Hallelujah! (laughs) I didn't want to yell in the mic. (laughs) So let's look at these characteristics again. Boast, brag, rave, lift hands, speak, sing, rejoice, play instruments, shout, engage faith, explosive, spontaneous outcry. Whew. My powers of deduction, and they're pretty good, but my powers of deduction tell me that praise is not a quiet act. It's not quiet. Praise is not quiet. How does that make you feel? For some of us, it feels okay, right? Like, you know, oh yeah, you know, I'm noisy, I get out there. For some of us, it's confronting. And it's scary (laughs) and it makes that lump in our throats go, "Mm, I'm not doing that. On the flip side, if someone were to ask you to stop praising God, what makes you stop praising God? (laughs) That was um, someone going into the kids' program. No, I don't want to. I like that. (laughs) If someone asked you what makes you stop praising God, You might say, it looks silly. It's out of control. People might think that I am a bit mad. What will the person next to me think? It's not important. It's not a rock concert. You might even have the idea that church is not a place to be excited and out of control. Our efforts to embrace give the impression of proper, dignified, grown-up-together lives, it sanitizes some of the most powerful tools that we have because we're scared to get a bit messy. How many know that church should be messy? (laughs) I think church should be messy. I think that we, if we really were honest with ourselves, we're messy. People are messy And church should be a bit messy because if we're real with each other, God is dealing with all that junk in us all the time. And I think that when we're honest and we say, you know what, I am pretty messy, why do we try and sanitise and make ourselves look all grown up and together and all of those things? Because in reality, I know that most of us, some of us have it together. (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Some of us have it together and or more together, I should say. Some of us really don't. And that's totally okay. And this place is what we're here for. Like that's what we're here for because we want God to transform what we what we are and who we are and all of those things. So the truth is, right, that the devil and there is a devil and he has minions The devil hates our praise. 
He wants to squash our praise. He wants to make us feel like when we praise God, nothing happens. He knows that our praise has power. We need to know that our praise has power. And when we praise, it renders him completely useless. He whispers self-conscious thoughts in our ears to make us shy and embarrassed about what we're doing. And so our voice gets a little quieter. By diminishing the importance of praise, we're held back from the things that God has for us. That's shocking. I don't, I don't want any of us in this room in our lives to be held back because of one little thing that, that might make us feel uncomfortable. But if we were to actually step out and say, you know what? My God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and I will praise him all the days of my life and get a bit silly and get a bit mad and get a bit out there. If that's the one thing that is holding me back from the things that God has for me, blow that, I ain't holding back. I don't know if you're with me, but I am not holding back in that because God is our victor. It's a problem, right? We feel self-conscious and, and I kind of think when we are self-conscious, we second-guess ourselves, we second-guess God. There is a solution. We're going to look at four ways. Praise is a solution. Four ways that, it, that praise empowers us by the Spirit of God and pushes back on those little lies the destructive thoughts, all of those things that we get tricked into believing. Praise pushes back on those things. So let's look. Praise is where, number one, praise is where God lives. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, Yet you are holy, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Another version says, You who inhabits the praise of his people. Praise is where God lives. He is in the praise of his people. Now, I'm a people of God. You're a people of God. Spent, I spent some time thinking about this. Why would God choose to live in praise? So there's this website that I love, and it's a, it, um, it posts things that kids say, funny things that kids say. How many know that kids are funny, right? Um, I read this one thing, and it says... It was talking about love. And the question was, how do you know that someone loves you or, or that you love someone? And this little kid said, when you love someone, your name is safe in their mouth. <laughs> so profound. <laughs> when we praise God, his name is safe in our mouths. I love that. I think that that's really beautiful. When you're nice to someone, when you love someone, right, and you say nice things about them, of course they want to be near you. If you are constantly, I don't want to be around that. <laughs> Jimmy doesn't want to be around that. <laughs> but when I'm nice to him and when I'm loving him and I'm saying, you're great, babe, I love you, you're amazing, 
he wants to be around me, and that's awesome. <laughs> Glad about that, because, you know. <laughs> I think that this point, this, this, this part of praise, that God lives in our praise, is about relationship. He lives in our praise. He sets up home there. I think about if he lives there, he sets up home in my praise, and I'm not praising him, where the heck is he living? <laughs> like, I want to make his home my praise. I want to make that comfortable for him. I want to praise him in every circumstance. I want to praise him so that he's got nice couches to sit on. <laughs> you know, like, I, I feel like if we think about praise as a home for God... What are we putting in that home for him? When you live with someone, you know them on a whole new level. Like I can, I can say I know John, I know Nola, we're friends. But I probably know Jimmy way better than I know them because I live with Jimmy. So how much more should we desire to praise his wonderful name because if God is dwelling in my praise, I want him to be comfortable there. Point two, praise gives us access to the presence of God. Look at this. Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So, when we praise him, we have access to his presence. I can enter his courts with praise. It's like a secret password. I love a secret password. Who's there? Poughkeepsie. Enter. <laughs> praise. Like, I don't know why Poughkeepsie, but we'll go with it. <laughs> Praise isn't just a good idea to set the scene for slow songs. It's actually what ushers us into the presence of God. Praise ushers us into the presence of God. Who here would like to know that the presence of God is with you in whatever you do? Who here praises in every situation before they walk into it? Not always. Amazing. <laughs> Not always. But we can know. The Bible is so clear. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That is a promise. We can praise him and we are walking into the presence of God. Lord, I praise you in this job interview presence of God. Lord, I'm praying and believing for this. I praise you because you are the King of kings and Lord of lords and our provider. Father, we need this much money to pay our debts this week. Presence of God. I, like, I think about that and I'm just like, why have I never actually sat down and thought about this? Like, I think I'm a thinker. But I haven't thought about that. The presence of God goes with us when we praise. Incredible. What an incredible tool. 
Whatever we do, if we praise him, prayer, in our devotion time, I want to know when I'm doing my devotions, when I'm spending time with God, that he's there with me. Prayer, uh, praise ushers us into the presence of God, gives us the access. Lord, I praise you. Would you be with me right now as I read your word? Praise opens the door. That's incredible to me. Point three, praise brings deliverance and freedom. And this is a promise that we can take to the bank. Psalm 50 verse 23 in the Message Bible says, It's the praising life that honours me. As soon as you set your foot on the praising way, I will show you my salvation. That amazes me. As soon as you set your foot on the praising way, he will show us his salvation. That is him rescuing us. Praise brings us freedom and deliverance. He rescues us when we praise him. He gives us a new outlook. Psalm 61 verse 3 says he will give us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Are you desperate? Are you in despair? Feeling broken? Hopeless? weary, can I encourage you that his promise to you is that he will give you a garment of praise. This, this point is the yet will I praise thee. When things are rubbish, when life is hard, when those things are broken and you can't fix them, this praise, yet will I praise thee, God, that's our faith in action. That's saying, you know what, God, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know how to fix this situation, but I still praise you in this situation. I still praise you because you are still God. You still sit on that throne. And, you know, that kind of praise, it's not faking it until you're making it. It's faithing it until you're making it. You know, like, it's about faith. It's about having an unchanging, unwavering belief that God is for me. God is for us. Praise changes your outlook, changes your situation, changes the atmosphere around you. It changes our perspective because we're looking through God's eyes and not through our own. So, I'm quite short, right? It's, it's a fact. You can agree with me. I am quite short. <laughs> when I'm on public transport, my perspective is armpits and backs. I typically can't see the door, especially if I'm standing up, right? Typically, I can't see the door. You know how they have those, the signs up on the ends of the carriages where they say, where it says, next stop is... Never can I see that. So I literally am standing, if, if there are no seats, I'm standing, backs, armpits. In summer, it's rotten, let me tell you. <laughs> I don't catch public transport all that often, but it's armpits and backs. For me, my perspective is here. Steve, can I get you to come and stand next to me? So Steve and I, up here, please. Thank you. So Steve and I have different perspectives, right? 
Now, I'm wearing heels today, so I'm actually going to take them off for the purpose of this. So, Steve, when you're on a train, can you see the signs? Yep, yes, I can. <laughs> can you see the door? Yes, I can. Are you above other people's heads? Mostly, yes. Apart from Blair. Apart from Blair. Oh, no, no, no. He's there, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, he's out there. <laughs> so, your perspective is much different to my perspective. Same train, same destination. Steve, for me, would be a great travel partner on a train <laughs> because he has a different perspective. Thank you, my friend. He has a different perspective. God has a different perspective. His ways and his thoughts are so much higher than ours, right? So when we praise God, we are saying, God, I need your perspective on this. Give me your perspective so that I can see what you see and I'm not looking at armpits and backs. I'm actually looking to the destination that you've got me on this path to. I want to praise God so that his perspective is what I see. Because what I see doesn't look like heaven, but he sees heaven. Hallelujah. Praise elevates our thinking. It elevates our vantage point because he has a different perspective. Point four. And this one is a doozy. <laughs> Praise is our weapon against the enemy. Psalm 149, verse 3 to 6, in the Passion Translation. I mix tr translations around a bit because I feel like sometimes it captures the essence a bit. So in the Passion Translation, it says, Break forth with dancing. Make music and sing God's praise with the rhythm of the drums. Thanks, Steve, for bringing us the rhythm of the drums today. For he enjoys his faithful lovers. He adorns them, he, sorry, he adorns the humble with his beauty. He loves to give them victory. Amen. His godly lovers triumph in the glory of God and their joyful praises will rise even while others sleep. God's high and holy praises fill their mouths for their shouted praise are their weapons of warfare. For their shouted praise are their weapons of warfare. Right in there, right in that verse, praise is your weapon of warfare. Do we need a weapon of warfare? Absolutely. There is no doubt that we need a weapon of warfare. Do we need to find a way to overcome anxiety, fear? Do you feel the attack of the enemy over a situation in your life? Your shouted praise is your weapon of warfare. And the devil does not want you to shout. The enemy does not want you to lift your voice. And you might feel defeated because I don't know how to do that. Even a shaky little shout, no, back off. Your shouted praise is a weapon of warfare. Praise is our battle cry, church, because it places our trust and our focus back on God, who is bigger and stronger and wiser and more powerful than we are. He is our fortress, Psalm 59, 17. 
our refuge, Psalm 71, 17. He is strong, impenetrable. He is safe and protective. Praise allows him to work on our behalf while we are hidden in him. While we're hidden in him, praise Praise allows us to hide in him, but it releases him to be our fortress. It releases him to be our victor because he won the victory for us. I'm going to tell you a story um, about, in 2007, I went on a missions trip to the US. We went to New Orleans. It was two years after Hurricane Katrina. and We were working, there was about 22 of us, um, we were working with a church who our pastor, or my pastor at the time, he knew quite well. We were working with a church there who had set up a program to support people in New Orleans um, who were the most affected. So, for those of you who don't know or, this, you know, you're not sure about the story, when Katrina hit, it, it basically decimated the lower socioeconomic areas of New Orleans. The rich areas and the touristy areas were fine because they were on higher ground, but these, the lower socioeconomic areas were completely wiped out. There was nothing left. Um, and 90% of the population that was wiped out there, like their houses and stuff, were African Americans. So lower socioeconomic, they had nothing left. So... 22 young adults, we went over to New Orleans to, to work with this church who was in New Orleans and they were serving the community in the most practical ways, you know, clearing blocks, mowing lawns, providing food. So they set up um, in, they had two campuses in the, the campus in the area that was most affected. They, their church wasn't touched, which is incredible, um, a miracle in itself. The, the church was actually upstairs in the chapel above, um, on the upstairs floor. And downstairs they built a soup kitchen, basically, um, an industrial kitchen with a big hall. Um, and they were feeding the homeless people that would come every day, broken. Community was smashed by this disaster. Anyway, while we were there, we spent pretty much a week and a half in this kitchen, serving every day kitchen, and then we would go out into the community and do whatever they asked us to do, whatever they needed. So while we were in this soup kitchen every day, there was a man that was coming in, and I don't know his name, which I, obviously he told me his name when I was there, but I can't remember, it was a little while ago. <laughs> um, and he was a bit mangled up, like he had walked with a limp and his hand was damaged and he, you know, had a little bit of a, you could see on his face that something had happened to him. Each day we would talk and um, this man impacted me so profoundly because he was an incredible example of praise. So he told me this story that when he was, so two years ago, um, he was working, able-bodied, you know, completely going about his business, didn't really believe in God, had a wife, had a child, a daughter, and then Katrina happened and in the process of 
the hurricane and the flood that happened afterwards and the massive disaster, he was he had a, he suffered a brain injury, so he was in an accident in the middle of Katrina. So it, he was in hospital, and you know, I mean, there was so many people affected. His wife and daughter couldn't afford to um, stay in New Orleans. They were moved to a different part of the country. So he was basically alone, disabled, and his wife and daughter, he couldn't work, so he could, they couldn't come back. He had no home. So he basically found himself um, living on the street. Um, devastating story. He spoke to me, though, about God and about how much he loved God and about his passion to serve God. And, I like, it transformed me because I've never been through what he went through. Like, the devastation that that man encountered, I'd never been through that. And I pray that I never do go through that. But him in the midst of nothing left, found God and found hope. And he still had nothing. Like, he was still living on the street, right? He would come for one meal a day to the soup kitchen. He was having one meal a day, still living on the street because he physically couldn't do anything, but he was serving the church also. So on the last day we were there, they had a church service in the chapel. Now, this church service was crazy. It was, you know, hankies, praising God. It was amazing. And I <laughs> I felt quite honoured because I was like, you know, these people live in a place where it's hopeless. Like the, Austra- the American government weren't helping. You know, they'd done their thing. They'd, you know, supported some people. It, it wasn't being, the, the situation wasn't being helped anymore. And yet these people were praising God. And I looked at my friend and I watched him praise, I watched him shout, I watched him beam with excitement for God. And in that moment, I thought, that's what praise is. He's not thinking about what he doesn't have. He's thinking about what he does have. He's not thinking about all of the things that he's lost. He's thinking about the thing that he gained in Christ. That's amazing. When I think about the moments in my life where worry and fear and all of those things come in and they take over and I feel like I'm hopeless, I remember that man and I go, God, I praise you. I'm blessed. The Bible is really clear that praise holds a key to releasing authority. Praise holds a key to releasing authority in situations. Praise places us in the presence of God. Praise holds the key to lifting our focus back onto God. It increases our faith. It allows us to put into perspective what's happening. It re-establishes God as the primary focus in our lives. Praise is our weapon of warfare, church. The devil hates it and he's rendered powerless because of it. Because praise allows God to move in those situations.